I'm your host, Jordan Kaluma, and this podcast serves as your space to find clarity and grounding in your creative business. I hope that our time together will provide you with not only a clear vision for the way forward, but a strategy for how to achieve it while keeping the most important things the most important things. Because when you thrive, your business thrives. Hey guys, welcome to season two, episode eight of the Grounding Podcast. So this episode is our listener Q&A episode, and you guys sent in some really awesome questions. I'm so excited to be able to answer them. Before we dive in though, I do want to take a minute and give you a little bit of a glimpse into what we are going to be covering in season three, since this is the wrap up of season two. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of a break and season three will launch on March 31st and it is going to be all about money. So I know a lot of you guys are preparing your taxes right now for 2019 and money is probably on the forefront of your mind and maybe you are really pleased with how your finances went in 2019 or maybe you feel like you have a lot of things that you could work on to make 2020 a little bit more intentional, a little bit more organized, a little bit more, I don't know, maybe even less stressful. And so I want to focus on all of those topics for season three. I'm going to have some financial professionals on to have conversations about investing and insurance and tax preparation and registering your business. How could, how should you organize your business? Should you be an S corp? Should you be an LLC? Should you file as a sole proprietor? And then I am also going to have some creative business owners, just like yourself on to talk about what is working in their business with their business finances. So they're not financial professionals. They didn't go to school for anything in the financial field. They're not accountants. They're not CFOs. They are just creatives, just like you who have done the work to understand how the money comes and goes within their business and how they can have control over it and use it properly. And so I wanted to have them on to talk about that because I think that a lot of times when we think about money, it can be a bit intimidating. It can make us feel like we are not capable of doing the hard things within our business. And that just isn't true. So I didn't want to only have people on that have degrees in um, the financial field, but I wanted to have people on that are just like you that can maybe encourage you to take the next step to be a little bit more intentional with your finances. So mark your calendars, March 31st, it's going to be such a good season. I'm going to actually have more guests on than I usually do because I know that these conversations are going to be so much more beneficial to you um, when I'm having them with other people instead of me monologuing about money. So I know that you guys are going to love that. Make sure that if you aren't subscribed to the podcast already that you do that so that you don't miss the launch of season three. Um, But another way that you can keep up with things that are going on is to go over to jordankavuma.com and sign up for my newsletter. So I send out my newsletter once a week 
during the seasons of these podcasts, it is pretty much a roundup of what I talk about in the episode with a link for you to listen. And then when I'm on a break from the podcast, I am sending you my favorite resources and tips and encouragements that you can use within your business to be able to find that balance and clarity that we are always talking about. So if you aren't signed up to get that yet, make sure you do so at jordankavuma.com. I'll put the link in the show notes, but I am so excited for season three. I know it's going to be amazing, but let's go ahead and jump into the final episode of season two. So you guys sent in four questions for me. I am thrilled to be able to answer them. I always love hearing directly from you. I think it gives me a lot of insight into what is on your minds. So without waiting anymore, let's jump into question number one. All right. So question number one was submitted over on Instagram by Brittany. And she said, how can you scale a business when it is already so small? So my answer to that is that you set up a solid foundation. If you are just starting your business, or if your business isn't generating the revenue or the traffic that you need for it to generate, then scaling really isn't what you should be focusing on right now. So scaling takes place when you see an opportunity for growth into a new avenue and you have the proof and the data to back up your gut feeling that it's a good idea. Scaling isn't necessarily like getting more customers or bringing in more money or signing more clients or getting more speaking engagements. Scaling is whenever you take what is working in your business, you take this growth that you've already seen, and then you spread it out into another level. You start to add on something new to it to generate new and unique revenue. So if you aren't there yet, if you are still trying to build your business and grow that customer base and see those sales, create those workflows, then do those things. Do everything that you heard me talking about in this season and set up a strong foundation. Go back to season one and implement the things that I talked about in that season. Um, the, the, the past episode that I just did episode seven of this season with steps to scale, I even talked about in that episode, how a lot of the things that I was talking about, you can go ahead and implement today. You can go ahead and know those metrics for your business. You can go ahead and set up that really strong marketing, um, plan that you have for your business, but this doesn't mean that you're trying, you can do it in a way that doesn't mean that you're actually trying to scale your business. You're just trying to make sure that everything is really solid and working in the way that it needs to work. So just because you aren't in a season of growth, it doesn't mean that you can't lay down that foundation that you're going to need to make it happen when the time does come. But I do want to leave you with three things that I would encourage you to do today. If you are in the stage of building your business and you want to get it to a place where you can add to what you've already built and take it to the next level. So the first thing that I would encourage you to do is build an email list. And this does mean that you're going to be using an email service provider so that you can abide by all of the privacy and data acquisition laws that are out there. MailChimp is a very popular free and good place to start if you are just getting started and don't really have the cash to put towards a paid service. But once you have to start paying for your email service provider, so on MailChimp, I believe that's, they have different tiers. Like if you have their basic feature, you can have up to, I believe 2000 subscribers, but that doesn't include some of their automation tools. It doesn't include scheduling You're a little bit limited. 
Um, but if you get to a point where you are going to start paying for it, I actually prefer Flowdesk, F-L-O-D-E-S-K, or Klaviyo, K-L-A-V-I-Y-O for email marketing. MailChimp's, from what I can see, seems to be going in a slightly different direction with their services than just being an email service provider. And I don't really feel like they specialize in any one particular area. Now, there are a lot of people out there that love them. And if you have been with them and you have figured yourself out on that platform and you have all your workflows set up and your automations and your segmentations, then by all means, stick with it. Do not change anything if it is working for you. But if you are in the market to change or if you are looking for an email service provider um, that would suit your needs and MailChimp is not it, I would encourage you to consider Flowdesk or Klaviyo. Flowdesk is really great for service-based businesses. Their templates are beautiful. Their workflows are very easy to use and their interface or their dashboard is incredibly simple. I do currently use them and I am really loving it. It's been a really great transition over to Flowdesk. If you are a product-based business, I would encourage you to consider Klaviyo. Flowdesk could be used for a product-based business, but as of right now, like when I'm recording this podcast, they don't have the capability to send cart abandonment emails, which I think is um, a really powerful feature in e-commerce marketing. And so I have actually emailed them and they are working on developing that feature. So stay tuned for that because I think that if Flowdesk can start to implement a few more e-commerce specific features, then it could be a really, really powerful thing for product-based businesses. But as of right now, I am super impressed by all that Klaviyo can offer for product-based businesses and how simple it is to use. It's a really great platform um, and it's pretty affordable considering all of the services that they can offer. And they have been around for a while. And so a lot of those kinks that usually happen with a newer uh, software have been ironed out quite a bit with Klaviyo and they're really great um, a company to work for, and they have a really great customer service team. So I would encourage you to give them a look if you are a product-based business looking for an email service provider. But all in all, it doesn't matter who you use, just get that email marketing going. Start collecting emails, whether it is manually adding with people's permission, of course, or having a simple landing page for email collections. If you don't have a website, just start collecting the emails and then start sending the emails. You want to have a welcome email that sends when people sign up. And then you want to have some kind of consistent schedule to check in with your list. That can be once a week, once a month. It doesn't matter. Just keep it consistent and make sure that you're providing them with the content that they want to receive from you. Email marketing, it's not going anywhere. It is a backbone of a marketing strategy. And so make sure that you are taking advantage of it and that you are building up that system early. The second thing that I would encourage you to do is to get your money in order. So like I already said, next season is going to be all about money. So get ready for that. But 
You don't want to get your money mixed up inside your business. Start setting up good practices now so that when you start making more money and your finances become a bit more complicated, you're already set up to handle it. So this might look like getting a bookkeeping software. It could look like getting a spreadsheet. I actually use a spreadsheet by Paper and Spark, and I love it. I will link to it in the show notes. But you just have to find what works best for you. I actually talk to coaching clients often about bookkeeping, and a lot of them are a little hesitant on what they should use. And my advice is always try a few different things, be really logical with what you need it to do, and then see if it's actually doing those things for you. And if it's not, go find something else. Just because your friend is using it or this other person in business is telling you that it's a, it's a good option for you, it doesn't mean that that's the right way to do it. The right way to do it is the way that's actually going to work. And so you have to figure that out for yourself. And there are a lot of options out there. And I would say don't rush this process because it is much easier to take the time in the beginning to really find the right solution and then you're going to be able to stick with it for a very long time, then it's going to ha- then it's going to be if you are constantly jumping around to different bookkeeping platforms and having to do a, a new onboarding system every single year. So take your time and figure that out. But at the end of the day, you just don't want to mix your finances. You want to make sure that you have a separate bank account. You want to have your personal bank account and your person and your business bank account. There are plenty of options out there for a free or affordable business, a bank account. And that is important for you to set up from the beginning. And then you also want to make sure that you're always checking in on your money, set up a date every week or two weeks or monthly to look at your finances and know what's going on so that you are never surprised by anything. The third thing I would encourage you to do is to learn to be as efficient as you possibly can. So use a time tracking app like Toggle that can help you see how you are spending your time. It is sometimes annoying to track your time. It has nothing to do with the platform that you're using. It's just easier just to like go throughout your day and not constantly take a moment to, you know, track what it is that you're doing. But at the end of the day, it's going to be helpful to force yourself to do it, even if you just do it for a week. When people say that time is money, they aren't just saying it to hear themselves talk, or at least most of them them aren't. When you don't have money to hire help, you need to be sure that you are maximizing the time that you do have to get the most work done that you possibly can. So if you can see where you aren't spending your time wisely or you aren't working as efficiently as possible, then you need to tighten the reins a little bit. If you can work as a well-oiled machine, then you can avoid the need of spending money on a team longer than you would be able to if you weren't working efficiently. So take a look at what you have going on right now and see if your employee, you, is working as efficiently as they should be. It is a powerful way to see progress in your business without spending any money. So even if you were just starting out with your business and it is still a young business that you are trying to get to the place that you want it to be, you can still take these principles and lay a solid foundation so that when the time does come for you to scale your business, you are fully equipped and fully capable, and it will be a seamless and probably pretty painless process to be able to do it. All right. So question two that I received was also over on Instagram from Zoe. She says, 
How did you get the confidence to take action and start your business? Did you always prioritize profitability in your business or did that come with it more naturally since you know you are a hard worker? So my origin story doesn't really come from a place of knowing that I wanted to start a business and then doing it. I started selling my embroidery art when I needed some money while Paul and I were working on his visa to come to the States. And then I had honestly always planned that when we were married and settled back here, I would stop doing it or just keep it as a hobby and then get a quote unquote real job. So for me, I kept doing my business because it was profitable, but I definitely stumbled into it a bit. But I do think that profitability is something that must be prioritized because if you don't have profitability, then you don't have a business. So when you think about how to get confidence to take action and start a business, I believe that the best first step is to think through how you're going to make that money with your business. If you don't have a solid marketing plan and you don't know what kind of cash flow you're going to need for at least the first six months, then that's something that you do need to sit down and think through. I know a lot of people are not in a position to just jump in, quit their job, or start their business with no other kind of safety net financially. And I don't think that there's any shame in starting slow and gradually allowing your business to become your primary or your sole source of income. That is often what will keep creatives from stepping out and starting their own business, which I think is a shame. So if you can make a plan for what kind of money you need to pay your bills and then what you need to start your business, then you can take a gradual approach and maintain another source of income as you get your business off the ground. And if you don't think that that is something that you can do, maybe you want to give your business a hundred percent of your attention from the start, then I think the smartest route would be to have a savings of four to six months to really support yourself until your business starts to generate some kind of revenue. Some businesses will have a pretty healthy cash flow from the beginning, and then some have some pretty serious startup costs and you won't see any kind of paycheck for a while. So again, Knowing those numbers and making sure that you're doing what you need to be doing to take care of yourself will be the best way to set yourself up for success in the long term. But bottom line, profitability is key. It's not a business if it's not profitable. So you need to know how you are going to make that profit. And then getting the confidence to start often comes with knowing what you are going to market, who you are going to market it to. And then making sure that you have a safety net so that you aren't stressed about that and feeling insecure while you are building your business. All right. So question number three was actually emailed in by Caroline. And she said, how do you decide if you need a team? So not everyone I think is going to need a team. I never want anyone to feel like they aren't successful enough because they are still a one woman show. I've hired people on for short-term projects as well as brought on a studio assistant during the holiday season for my embroidery business, but you know that you need a team when you have work that needs to be done, but you don't have the hours to do it on your own. So obviously you don't want to hire someone just for the sake of hiring someone. You want to hire someone because you have a very specific job that they need to do. So if you're feeling overwhelmed and the first thought that comes into your head is that you would be better off if you could hire someone to take something off your plate, I would encourage you to first do an audit of your workflow, your systems, and your processes. There is a lot of emotion that leads us to make decisions. And if you are overwhelmed and you are having a hard time keeping up, then you're going to have a ton of emotion weighing in on your decision-making abilities. 
So take a step back and allow yourself to practically look at the situation. It might not be that you need to hire someone. You just might need to streamline or automate or even eliminate some things that are taking up your time. Or you might take a good look at your situation and see where it would be incredibly beneficial for you to have a helping hand. And then you would know exactly what you expect them to do. There's also the aspect of hiring someone to do work that you're not skilled in doing. So when I started this podcast, I knew that I could probably design my podcast artwork and my social graphics through Canva or something simple like that. But I also knew that it would have been of higher quality and serve me better if I had a designer design it for me. So I hired April Miser to do my artwork. I will link to her to her website in the show notes if you want to give her work a look because it's incredible work. So this was an instance where I hired someone to do something that I was not incredibly skilled in doing. This decision often comes down to investment and whether you have the money to be able to do it. I knew that when I hired her to design these things for me, that I would be able to use them for a very long time and the investment would be well worth it. So you need to look at the job that you're hiring for and know what the return will be and then use that information to make your decision as to whether or not it's the right time for you to move forward with hiring for that work. Again, you don't have to hire anyone to be legitimate. You don't have to have a team to have a successful business, but it can be a powerful way to see growth when the time is right. So go through the steps that you need to go through in order to evaluate this choice and then do the, do it the right way. Because if you hire someone and then you realize that it wasn't something that you should have done, you have to let, and you have to let them go or end your contract, you've also affected their income. So you need to be really considerate throughout this process because there's more than just yourself involved. But I think just taking it slow, trying to remove the emotion out of it, not making decisions about hiring help whenever you're incredibly overwhelmed can make that process make a lot more sense and be a lot more straightforward. All right. So the final question, question four was from Sam. She emailed in and said, what does your daily schedule look like? So I'm going to be incredibly honest here. I do not have a daily schedule. I guess I have some kind of daily schedule, but it isn't always incredibly consistent. So here is my feeble attempt at a rundown. I usually wake up around seven. I would love to wake up earlier and it's something that I'm working on, but that is my honest wake up time. And then I do the morning things. I eat breakfast. I get my daughter ready for the day. I get myself ready for the day and then get everyone where they need to go. I do marketing for a coffee company. And while it is a very flexible job, as far as when and where I work, I do have to go into the office during the week. So usually I head in around 8:30 and then get some work done for them during the day. But during the day I will also work on this podcast or work with my coaching clients and then also plan content uh, for social media. And then around five, I am pretty much done for the day as far as work is concerned. We all head home, I have dinner, hang out, and then after we put Zuri down for bed at night, Paul and I hang out. Usually my nights will look like us chilling on the couch or working on a project around the house, but some nights I have to work on my embroidery business or even work on the podcast. I like to record at night because things are usually quieter. So that usually happens on the weekend, but I don't really go to a lot of evening events because that is our family and family time. And we hold that pretty sacred, but there are nights where I go teach an embroidery workshop or go hang out with friends 
but I do try to only do events that take place during the day and not take up that time in the evening when I get to be with Zuri and Paul. So that is a very, very, very general overview, especially with a kid. My daily schedule can change a lot, but generally speaking, I get the bulk of my work done during the day between 8.30 and 5, and then I hang out with my family at night. And if I absolutely have to, I finish up some projects in the evening. I do have a few plates in the air between my embroidery business, my marketing job, this podcast, and my coaching clients, but I'm also very good at compartmentalizing. I don't try to work on more than one thing at once. I like to dedicate certain days to certain categories of work, and I really have most everything planned out in a lot of detail. I use Trello to keep my to-do list in check, and I am a big fan of color coding when it comes to what I need to be focusing on. I also have really amazing child care and my husband is super supportive of what I do. So I can always rely on him to step in and help me when I can, which I know is an incredible privilege and I'm incredibly thankful for it. But to answer your question, that is what my day looks like. Some weeks like this past week are absolutely insane and I feel like I've lost all control, but Usually it works for us, which is what matters in the end. So that is the end of our listener Q&A episode. I sincerely love doing this episode. I think I'm going to keep it around every season. So get ready to send in some questions for season three. But I really appreciate you guys tuning in for this season with me. I had a lot of fun with the topic and exploring what it looks like to scale your business in a sustainable way. I hope that you guys... Um, go and follow my guests that I had on this season, Jamie from Forage and Ashley. And I hope that you guys go and follow the guests that I had on this season, Jamie from Forage and Ashley from Speak Your Way to Cash. I know that they provided a ton of value. And as always, make sure that you are following Elizabeth over on Instagram for all of your nutritional needs. She um, is just always talking about things that are so applicable and so helpful. Even the free content that she gives out on Instagram, I think can make some really amazing changes to just your daily life. And you guys know that I am a big advocate for taking care of your whole body in order to benefit your business. And so that's why I have her on every season and she will be on next season as well. And we have already started talking about the topic and I know they are going to love it so much. And I cannot wait to have the conversation with her because I know that I personally will benefit from it a whole, whole lot, but I would love it if you guys would take a moment and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. And then also leave a review on the podcast. It helps this grow so much. It really encourages me to be able to read those. And I am just forever grateful for those of you who take the time to do it. But I look forward to keeping up with you guys. Make sure that you are signed up for my weekly newsletter so that you can get that before season three launches on March 31st. And if you are on Instagram, I would love to have you join me over there at Jordan Kavuma so that we can continue this conversation. But I hope you guys Enjoy the rest of your week and we will talk soon. Thanks so much for listening in on this episode of The Grounding. Make sure that you're subscribed so that you can have new episodes delivered straight to your podcast feed. 
The best way that you can continue to support the growth of this podcast is to leave a review in iTunes. That will allow more creative business owners, just like yourself, find us and join our community to find clarity and grounding. Talk soon.